Hello everyone and Happy New Year. I've hoped everybody had a great start to the new year and you've had a safe Christmas and a bloody good new year despite our current situations with COVID. However, that's another story and I'm not going to go into that right now. But anyway, welcome to All About Fertility Podcast. I'm Ella, your host. Now, if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll hear me banging on about well-being and support while on your facility journey. It's an area that I feel very passionate about. Um, And you don't have to go through this journey alone, especially when things are not going to plan. But an area that I absolutely love, and mainly because I love a good story, is hearing how other women are doing um, and how they're coping. And one thing I love to hear is their pregnancy announcements. Now, I do understand that pregnancy announcements can be quite triggering at times for some, but I think when you've journeyed with them and you've gone through Um, you've seen them go through pregnancy losses and IVF and when they get their positive it's time to celebrate. And so today I'm here with Kirsty and she's an entrepreneur and has gone through her own journey and is pregnant with her first child and she's so kindly going to share her story and I hope it will really inspire and give hope to someone that needs it um, in order to continue with their journey. Welcome, Kirsty, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I um, I did a little smile when you said she's pregnant with her first. So, <laughs> yeah, no one can actually see me, but I did a little smile in the background. Yeah, I know you're pregnant, which is just, it is, right? You're yeah. with child. <laughs> yes, I am. Currently 14 weeks today, so oh, we're getting that. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, No bump? Yes, I do actually, but I keep putting it down to a bit of a, you know, pregnancy bloat, but my partner's like, no, you've got a bump, babe. Um, It's it's just that transition from feeling like or or looking like you're a bit bloated to, um, no, guys, I'm I'm actually pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember it's like like you've just eaten a burger, right, and just like, oh, it's never going down. (laughs) And I think, oh, do people think she's just, you know, got a bit of a fat tummy or yes. do I actually think she's pregnant? And I'm like, oh, do I do I hide it or do I just let it all out? So Absolutely. Um, let it all out. Um, have you started to shop for maternity clothes? I have actually, because I'm second trimester. So um, you know, we've gotten over the safer zone. I never say mm-hmm. anything is safe. Um, yeah. but you know, as you know past the 12 weeks it is um the percentage is you know a lot safer yeah. um so I have I have shopped uh shopped for some clothes and I've also ordered my cot and the baby change table oh, so I'm just waiting lovely. for that to turn You're up. so organized I'm an, I am a planner and I like to be organized so yeah yeah they're on the way so what I would love for you to do is tell us a bit about yourself so we can get to know you Yep, sure. So I am 36. I am engaged. Congrats. And we live in, oh, thanks. (laughs) We live in um, the northern suburbs of Melbourne here in Australia. And I was currently, oh, sorry, not currently, I was working um, night shift on the railway network with my partner, actually. That's how we met. Um, Yeah, that's how we met. So he obviously works in a different, different area. He, he builds 
the railway track. I'm talking trains here if anyone's thinking, what is she talking about? Um, so, yeah, the railway network, he builds the oh. tracks and, you know, replaces the sleepers and um, he just went interstate to build a new railway track to the hospital. So, yeah, he does all things like that. And I um, used to stop all the traffic and let all the machines on where the boom gates are. So... Um, that's how we met. But going into IVF for my fourth cycle, we decided that night shift just was too tough on my body. Uh, you know, going to bed at five in the morning and just not getting a good sleeping pattern and standing, standing for so long and out in the cold, we just made a decision that I would stop working and really concentrate on my fitness. I lost five kilos before my fourth cycle. And um, just concentrated on being a healthier version of myself, you know, in order to make my body more inviting um, for an embryo. So I currently don't work Um, and I haven't for a little while. As I said, we wanted to get my body in the right shape um, and form and healthy. So that's me, Melbourne. Yeah, but you also have a sideline business where you've created these amazing eyelashes. Yes. So um, that's what I do on the side, just at home, a little a little hobby, I guess you could call it. Um, I have an eyelash business, so they're the, you know your false strip lashes that you can take on and off and change change up your look. So there's six different styles, um, and I love it because you know I sit at home and I pack orders and I'm on my laptop and I'm talking to customers yeah. and you know it's 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 running a business but from home and obviously you know you can do yeah sort of in your own time. Um, not many people are emailing you at four in the morning asking you questions about eyelashes. So I'm still getting really good night's sleep. Um, and, yeah, just, just working on on that little business on the side. But, um, yeah, I did used to work night shift, but no, not anymore. Okay. So when did you start trying to conceive and when did you think that something wasn't quite right? Yes, yeah, so we started over a year ago in um, August. I just got back from London and I'd actually planned the trip to London before I met Stephen. So, um, we, well, we'd met at work and everything and, and Stephen kept trying to pursue me and I'd actually booked a trip to London. So when we got together and we actually moved into our first house, I only got to stay in that house for one night and then I flew off to London and um, while I was overseas, all Steve and I could talk about was let's try for a baby, let's try, let me both want to have oh. children. So I still remember the day is, you know, August the 8th when I um, arrived home and we were just like, yep, yeah. let's start trying. So, you know, when you don't have any losses previously, you don't go into trying for children thinking, oh, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. You just don't have those doubts there. I mean, for me, I didn't have those doubts. Everyone is is different. But, you know, like I said, we didn't have any losses. So we went into it thinking, we want children, let's do it, let's go for it. And mm. it took about two two months, three months, and we did fall pregnant. And I thought, okay, mm. this is great. It didn't take too long because I do know some women can be trying for years and years and years. Um, but unfortunately, our first um, embryo that we did make didn't quite implant. It only stuck to the wall of my uterus, and this is trying naturally. So um, it ended up coming away with my periods. So um, we had a chemical pregnancy the first time, 
Um, mm-hmm. Then we said to ourselves, you know, let's keep trying. Um, it's a blessing that we even made an embryo together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's let's keep going. So we brushed ourselves off. We kept trying, and about another two three months later, again, we felt pregnant and. This time we weren't obviously as excited because we'd experienced a loss and we were very cautious. And I remember Stephen saying, you know, I'm, I want to be excited, but I can't. And I, and I kind of was a bit disappointed that he wasn't excited. But then I had to really mm. understand where he was coming from because men do get just as hurt as us, even though they're not the yeah. ones carrying, physically carrying the baby. Um, and I think we forget that sometimes, but, you know, he was extremely cautious and I understand now why, because we also lost that embryo as well. My HCG came back at only seven. So seven's not a viable, um, number for, mm. you know, viable level for pregnancy. So we also had our semi second chemical pregnancy loss in, you know, under five months. Mm. So that was us trying actually. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So then what were your next moves? What what did you think after that second loss? So because the you know I was 35 at the time, Steve was 30 or 31. Um I said to him, "Look, I'm not getting any younger. Um neither are you, but obviously, you know, I'm the female, I'm the one that needs to carry it. I need, you know, keep myself yeah. young in 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 some way." Um I said to him, two chemical pregnancies, two losses in, you know, for under five months. I said, there's obviously something going on that we're making an embryo, but it's not implanting. So it's just sticking to the wall, but then it's coming away. So either I've got a lining issue or there's something else when we're really not sure what it is, we need some help. So I said to him, let's go and do IVF. Let's go and talk to someone, you know, because we could be trying for another six months or another year. And you could experience more losses and it could be the, the you know, sake of just we need a bit of science to help us. Um, so we found an IVF clinic here in Melbourne and the first thing that she did was test my egg reserve, so my AMH level, and we tested Steve's sperm. So he's great. He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him at all. My AMH came back at 1.7. So 1.7 is extremely low. That's a level of someone that's, you know, 40 or over. And at the time I was only 35. So that was a huge shock to us. Um, but in saying that, your AMH level doesn't mean you're going to miscarry because it's low. It's it's just an egg, egg reserve count. So I said to him, yeah. that's fine that we've, we've gone and done the test and, you know, I don't have a very... Um, big egg reserve count left. I am getting older. We all lose eggs as we get every time we have a period. I said, but Mm. I still have eggs there and they're still obviously a good enough quality to make an embryo. I said, that's not the root of the cause why why we keep losing these embryos. So what we did next was my IVF clinic said, let's give you a laparoscopy, a hysteroscopy. Let's, you know, flush out your tubes, make sure they're not blocked. Let's go in and see if you've got anything going on in there. And because I had the two losses early that came away with my period, my fertility specialist said, let's still do a DNC so we can completely clean you out. So Mm -hmm. we went in and I had some polyps um, right on my cervix. 
cosmetics and some scarring, which she removed. And Mm -hmm. um, then she said, you know, everything else looks really good. So she said, let's start with the first round of egg collection and try and do a fresh transfer. And that's what we did. Um, I got a really good egg count, actually. We, we, We retrieved 10 eggs. Nine of them, oh, great. yeah, nine of them fertilized, and seven mm-hmm. actually made it to day five. Wow, that's like a superpower. Yeah, I know. And to think that <laughs> we were <laughs> superpower, I love it. And to think though that we were so devastated, thinking, and because at the time I didn't know much about, and I'm just going to be honest with this, I didn't know much about the female body. I didn't know much mm. about egg reserve, about your age. Mm. Um, things like that. So when you hear, so you did a lot of research on the site then. Uh, afterwards, I did so much research. My IBS yeah. specialist was like, "Okay, you've come in with a list of things and a whole book of questions." Awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I did because I did have so many questions. And you know, with such a low AMH, I still retrieved ten eggs and nine of them fertilized. So somewhere along the line, I've still got good quality eggs. Yeah. Um. And that's and, you know, what we want, you know, is good quality eggs. It's not necessarily about the whole the number. No, quality um, so. over quantity, really. Yeah, so um, we had seven of them um, make it to day five. So she said, all right, let's transfer a fresh embryo. And so we transferred that and, unfortunately, it didn't even implant, mm. not not even the slightest bit. So... It was already a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, you've got two losses from trying naturally, um, from almost implanting, to doing IVF, thinking, oh, you've, you know, you've, you've had a DNC, you've found scarring and polyps, you've cleaned that out, you've got great fertilisation rates, great quality embryos, for, you know, uh, seven of them make it, but then it doesn't implant. Yeah. So it's just already the biggest roller coaster of bad news, Good news, mm. great news, great fertilization. Oh my gosh, they found a problem. Maybe it was just the scarring. Maybe it was the polyps. Yeah. Um, to then come crashing back down to earth with no implantation yeah. again. And how did you feel around around that? Were you able to, you know, pick yourself up just as quickly, or were you just like, oh my god, what's going on? Well, what what's your next move? Um, look, you can be a little bit naive going into IVF. Some you know, I I almost feel like Steve and I were like, well, you know, it's IVF. They're, they're going to help us. We'll be right. Yeah. It'll work first time. Yeah. Um, and I think we sort of thought maybe it would work for us t- first time because we found some problems. Mm-hmm. We found the scarring, found the polyps. Um, so I, I think when you, if you don't find anything wrong, we would have gone into it more like, okay, this is just going to be luck again, whether it works Mm. or not because we haven't fixed anything. But, you know, you're on medication, you're stimulating your follicles, you've got all this medication to help everything work, you've had a clean out, your tubes are flushed, they've found some scarring, they've removed that. You just sort of think, okay, well, it's going to work this time. So we we were very... Um, devastated, but with Steve and I, we've both sort of got the um, the mind of just okay. We need to just keep going. We need to. So, did you do re- another one back to back? So, what we did was I went to do my second cycle, mm-hmm. 
Um, and this time it was just going to be a frozen transfer because we had the embryo sitting there in the freezer yeah. and my lining only got, my lining got to 7.4 and my IVF clinic at the time said it's not thick enough. So what she thought was that maybe it was a lining issue why the implant, uh, the embryo didn't implant. So, so wait a minute, second- the first time round, did they, what was your uh, lining? What did it measure well, at? I don't actually have the records with me, um, but I believe that she said it was eight millimetres. So, yeah, so we're at 7.4 and that's why she's gone and said, well, no, let's count the cycle because obviously she's thinking the first cycle didn't work because your lining was only at eight. So in her mind she's thinking, okay, we've got to get above eight Otherwise, we're going to waste an embryo. And that's pretty much word for word what she said. She goes, I don't Mm. want you to waste an embryo. And we went on her advice, counselled the cycle. And I I feel like sometimes a counselled cycle is just as worse as a cycle that doesn't work because you didn't get the chance to try. Yeah. And plus, you've already started taking your medication, right? Oh, two two weeks of injections. Um, you know, the un, it's uncomfortable. Your ovaries are stimulated. They're, they're mm. growing in size that not normally meant to grow that quickly. Yeah. Um, the emotions that also come within the two weeks of, um, you know, the injections and and building up to to do a transfer. So that was really devastating when she wanted to cancel. I was so upset. I felt like we're back to square one. We've got to wait another month. I have to have my period. Um, you know, and a woman waiting for a period to come is. <laughs> it's like excruciating pain. It's, it feels like forever, right? Oh, gosh, I don't even have words for it. <laughs> and within that I mean, time. We never, within that- I never want a period. Sorry, what was that? Oh, I was just going to say we never want our period when we're trying to get pregnant, but then <laughs> when we're trying to get pregnant with IVF and you need your period, you're like, come on. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, and while you were waiting um, for, you know, your next period, what were you doing? Did you um, continue with supplements, um, acupuncture? What were, you, what were you doing? Or were you just like, yep, okay, we're just waiting? Just I was just drinking wine. <laughs> what I was doing <laughs> oh gosh okay all jokes aside yes I was I did have a couple of glasses of glasses of wine yeah. um but I I was just trying to figure out what was going on like why that that's when why kept coming into my mind like why is this not working why is it not happening like why isn't it implanting um why is oh, my life that's just like the million dollar question right that's gonna yeah. send you crazy yeah and I mean at the end of the day no one has the, the exact answer so mm. so what we did was like all right well let's do a third cycle and this, these are back to back as well yeah. so I said to my partner third cycle, got to get my lining thick enough. Now, this is where my journey becomes very interesting and very frustrating. So this is my first clinic that I'm still still with. Um, not now, but I'm, I'm in the first, second and third cycle. We did three cycles with this clinic. So we said, all right, well, we need to get my lining close to eight millimetres because we know that she's probably going to counsel for anything underneath, so anything below that level. So what we did is we upped my medication 
And I was comfortable doing that because I said to her, I don't want to keep cancelling cycles back to back. You know, and don't forget, I'm, I kept thinking in my mind, I've got embryos frozen in the freezer, but I also don't have a lot of time because my AMH is so low. Because I kept thinking, gosh, how many eggs do I have left if these ones in the freezer don't work? Because we weren't doing egg collection again. We were just doing preparation for a frozen transfer. So I thought if we keep doing cycle after cycle after cycle and they don't work, she keeps counselling mm. it. I kept thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm gonna, it's going to be another year or another six or seven months into my life where I'm older. My egg count's going to be keep going down. So I started to panic a little bit and I said to my partner, we need to get my lining at eight millimetres. She's going to up my meds. I'm just going to do it. You know, whatever the side effects are, if it's more pain or more bloating, just that, you know, we do what we have to do to get our child. So we upped the meds and it was all good. And I went in for my first scan and she said, your lining is 7.8. She goes, I'm really happy with that to transfer. She goes, I'm going to call you tonight when you go home. She goes, first of all, I want you to go get a blood test though. Just want to check your levels. She goes, when you go home, I'm going to give you a call and I'm going to tell you when to trigger and then we're going to transfer five days later a five-day embryo. We're going to thaw it out. We're going to transfer it. So I went home and I rang Steve. And at this point, Stephen had left to go interstate to work, to build the railway line, as I was mentioning earlier, to, to build a new railway line to a hospital. And I said to him, no, babe, you need to go. It's work. I've got this. You know, this is my third cycle of IVF. I know the medications. I know the side effects. I can do this without you physically here, but we'll talk each day on the phone and we'll FaceTime, you know, you go. So I went home that night and I rang Steve and I said, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. My lining got to Mm 7.8, almost 7.9. We're going to transfer in five days. And he was so excited. And then I got off the phone to him and I see the number of the IVF clinic calling. I was like, oh my gosh. So she, I answered the phone and I was like, how are you? I'm like, and she's like, good, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to transfer. She goes, oh, there's a bit of a problem. Oh, it's, that's the last and, thing. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm thinking, what do you mean? My lining's great. We're going to transfer in five days. We've got embryos in the freezer. Like everything's good. She goes, you've what? already ovulated. And I, and I said to her, what? I was like, what do you mean I've already ovulated? She goes, your blood test came back. And you've already ovulated. She goes, what day in your cycle are you? I said, I'm day 11. And when I went in for the scan that day, I actually said to her, I'm really sore this time. Like I've never been this sore before on medication. And I know that we'd upped my medicine. But I said to her, I feel like I've ovulated. Like I feel like ovulation pains. I didn't say do I feel like I've ovulated, but I felt ovulation pains. And I just thought, well, we are stimulating my ovaries. I'm going to get some pain. And she said to me in the scan, oh, you know, that can be normal because, you know, we're stimulating you and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. And I actually thought to myself, oh, you know, when you discharge, it looks a little bit different when you're ovulating. It's sort of silky, runny sort of, you know, discharge where some women know when they're ovulating from pain. And I just thought, oh, I didn't really think too much of it. But then when she said to me on the phone, you've already ovulated, I was like, I bloody yeah. knew it. Like yeah. I, I know my body and I could feel that this has happened. And she said, oh, so you're day 11. I said, yeah, I'm day 11. And she said, you're supposed to come in 
and have a scan done day seven to eight so we can monitor yeah. where you when you're going to ovulate so we don't miss it. And I'm like, well, isn't that why I'm paying you thousands and thousands of dollars of a, for a private clinic, yeah. private care? Like I'm, I'm not supposed to know when to do this scan, when to, when. That must have been so frustrating for you. Oh, massive mistake they had made. And my fertility specialist, she, you know, obviously they're not the ones that book you in. So she said to me, mm. oh, my gosh, the nurse has made a mistake. She's oh. booked you in from days seven or eight from, I th- think, for, oh, yeah, from when you started your injection. So we start injections on a cycle like day two of your period. So she's counted seven days from like or eight days from day two. So she's gone eight, nine, ten, like 10, 11. Not like she's she's booked me in, do you understand? Like she's booked me in day 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, but that yeah. my day 11 was from the first day of my period, not from injecting. Yeah. So she's booked me in wrong and totally missed my ovulation and totally ruined my whole cycle. And this is my third cycle back to back and without Stephen. And with more medication and I started crying on the phone to her and I'm not one to to cry on the phone like in front of people. I sort of, you know, sort of hold it back and try and wait till I get off the phone. I just burst it out and I was almost hysterical. Like I just, it was the biggest crash um, and I was so upset. And then I just kept thinking, oh, Steve's not here. I can't, like, give him a hug or get, like, a hug off him. Um, and she just said, look, I'm going to chase this up. I'm going to see why this mistake has happened. You know, all I can do is apologize. And she apologised so many times. And I just thought, I can't get that time back. I can't get that cycle back. Like, um, and to think that I had ovulated and then I kept stimulating my ovaries. Because oh, we don't know when I've ovulated, but I still was injecting up into that that day of yeah. the scan. Yeah. So God knows what my body was thinking. It's you know it's sitting there going, um, I've ovulated. Why are you stimulating me? Like, mm. leave my ovaries alone, please. I've I've already released the eggs. So you know it's um yeah it was that I think that's why it was a bit painful because I'd already ovulated, but I kept injecting to stimulate mm. them. So. That was terrible. I got off the phone and I tried to call Stephen and it was the only time that in the 89 days that he ended up being away was the only time that his phone had died at work. Oh, always the way. Always the way. way. Um, And I just was trying to call him and and then I thought, oh, my God, that's right, his phone's off. He said he was going to die and he was going to call me on the way. Like when he got into the car, he's his phone charger, car charger. And I just thought, oh, this is the universe testing me. This is to see how strong I am to deal with it on my own. Wow. Wow. Oh, God, that was awful. So yeah. um, so throughout your treatment and your journey, did you not tell anyone else? Did you get support from your family and friends? Yeah, absolutely. So I got a lot of support from um, my family. I'm really close to my mum. We actually talk about, <laughs> I was thinking about this before, actually. We actually talk about two, three times a day. Um, I know people probably think it's a bit weird, but we're just, we're just always talking and sending each other little things on Facebook or photos and, you know, um, and, you know, I probably see her twice a week 
So we're extremely close. Yeah. Oh, and I also, you know, have been sharing my journey, this IVF journey since day one on my Instagram. So um, the next day people knew on my Instagram that they had missed my, um, they that, you know, they missed the ovulation mm. because, you know, I ended up sharing it on Instagram and just asked if this had happened to anyone else because I wanted yeah. to know what, what how they managed managed it and mm. what they, you know, did as the next step. So we actually ended up leaving the clinic right. and I found a new IVF clinic because we had, we were just too unhappy with the service and just such a yeah. simple, simple thing to book a scan in that was just overlooked and so incorrect that, you know, that ruined my entire cycle. I could, you can't have that happening. So we ended up changing clinics and, you know, here I am now pregnant first go with a new clinic and they, wow. they tested me things as well that my old clinic didn't even believe in, which was the NK cells. Right. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So my new clinic, the first thing she did was test me for NK cells, mm-hmm. which is, you know, obviously we've all got NK, NK cells in our body and if you've got a higher level, it's sort of, you know, anything foreign that goes into the body, it thinks that it, um, it's foreign so it tries to kill it and, and fight it off. And that's, I think, what was happening. My body was thinking that the embryo was either a blood clot or just something foreign and it Time kept... protect itself. Yeah, protect itself and try and remove that embryo. So mm. when we found my levels were high at a, at a level of 20, mm. my new fertility specialist said, I'm going to put you on this protocol, I'm going to put mm. you on some blood thinners, let's see how we go. And it's interesting because all along we thought that maybe it was a lining issue. And you've got to remember my old clinic counselled my second cycle mm. at a lining of 7.4. She said mm. it wasn't enough Mm. my new fertility specialist said no you've got three great layers of your uterus perfect for transfer your lining is only Mm 6.7 but you need to trust me and you need to transfer because I believe it's your NK cells and I believe that this is going to work and it did and I'm pregnant on a lining of 6.7 I mean that's really below average but I trusted, I trusted Lynn and she said to me, you know, we've, we've found, an, we've found the, another issue with the NK cells. You're on the right protocol. You've got three layers. They're perfect. In, in her words, they were like, you've got beautiful layers. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'll take so, that. <laughs> I, I was like, all right, I've got beautiful layers of my uterus. Um, but, you know, it was very hard to trust my new clinic because, you know, yeah, previously they still... counseled us. Yeah, I was still scarred from yeah. the last clinic, and them yeah. saying, "Oh, seven point four is not good enough." Mm. You know, don't do it. And then here's Lynn going six point seven. I mean, that's mm. still a big difference from eight millimeters. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but, but also, you know, it's great to have a fertility specialist who is, you know, absolutely trusting and believing that she's actually able to do it. That's right. And, you know, she said to me, you need to trust me. We need to give this a go. We need to transfer, thaw out an embryo. I believe that your lining is great and, you know, it might not be as thick as everyone else or, you know, what Google recommends that, you know, must be eight millimetres for for a great pregnancy. You know, she said, 
She had other women that just can't get past five millimeters and she's gotten them pregnant before. So everyone is different and, you know, you just have to really trust. Yeah, just really trust your fertility specialist. It sounds like you've had your ups and downs in this journey Um, and, you know, it's exhausting physically and emotionally. So besides having a baby, what else kept you going? What was your motivator? Um, Definitely just the support from my families and friends and just the fact that, you know, this is something that we really wanted, we both really wanted, um, you know, in our relationship and just the fact that, you know, we both knew it might take some time but just the motivation from, as I said, family and friends and just the support network around me, we just knew that we just had to keep going and, you know, it might not happen the first round or the fir- or the second round, but we just knew that nothing was going to stop us from, you know, getting pregnant and having this baby. So I think if you've got a good support network, then that's a really great motivational tool um, and just keeping positive just really trying to stay on track and not lose sight of what you want in the end. I have to agree. Having support around you is really important. IVF is an emotional roller coaster, and we need that support, especially when, you know, we've had failed cycles. As women, we want to be strong. We're warriors, but we need that emotional support to keep us going, to keep us motivated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know a couple when our first cycle um, didn't work. I'm so grateful that I had family and friends to say, you know, it's okay to grieve, but pick yourself up and keep going because this is what you want and this is why you began in the first place. Yes, the reminders that so, keep you going. Yeah, definitely. A little reminder every now and then is quite good. Yeah. So what has your IVF journey taught you about yourself? Oh gosh, how how strong I am! And I know that you do hear this a lot, and a lot of women talk about strength, and um, you know, but it, it really is true. Like, just how strong and resilient that I can be, and that I can get through anything in life, because this is a really, really hard journey. And as many women know you know, there's so many ups and downs and it's such a struggle. And then there's so many highs and and there's little wins and there's big wins. Um, So, yeah. How you're able to manage things. I bet when you look back at how you dealt with issues before IVF, um, you know, where you might have crumbled or doubted yourself, but now you actually can tell yourself, no, actually, I can do this yeah. and break it down and look at it more logically and, and run with it because you do yeah, have the strength. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's just, you know, like you said, in previously I probably would have broke down and thought, no, I can't do this mm. and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, because many women do go through more than one cycle, you learn to adapt and deal with things that you normally think you couldn't so it also helps you in your own life outside of IVF yeah with other things that you think well gosh if I can do IVF then I can definitely handle this issue yeah exactly because the other issues become minor when you look back and think well I was a pin cushion for 
a year, <laughs> you know, inject myself every day. I'd handle those hormones. And then I'd also handle life on top of an IVF cycle and going into hospital, being put to sleep, feeling terrible, feeling nauseated, you know, feeling the IVF bloat, mm. your body changing, your mood swings. There's a lot to deal with. People just think, oh, you just go and take some medication and try for a baby. Mm. It's it, That's not, there's so much more to it. So, yeah, I think it's helped me in other areas of life going through IVF and just how strong it has made me. So, yeah. It sounds like you prepared yourself mentally to to do this a few times, um, a few rounds of IVF. Um, so that you're not disappointed or heartbroken when you have to to do yeah. another round. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. 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 No, you definitely are right. Um, we, you know, didn't want to set ourselves up for disappointment. Yeah. Um, and I'd done a lot of research. So I think the, the statistics are the third cycle is the most common to um, conceive a child. So I said to my partner, you know, look, the stats are against us. It's, it's, you know, usually a third cycle, um, and let's not go into this thinking, oh, it's definitely going to work. Mm. Because I don't think in life you can go into too too much. I mean, don't get me wrong, be positive and be confident, mm. but don't be cocky. <laughs> you know, there's a different there's a difference. You can be very positive and think, you know, this is going to work, this is this is great, you know, we're doing all the right things. But in the back of your mind, you also need to let a little bit of um negativity is not the right word um you know just a little bit of the thought that okay if this doesn't work mm. Mm. But, that you're um, able to pick yourself up again yeah yeah so it might not work but it will mm. it's a matter of when yeah, not if yeah, yeah. so when not it let works. that disappointment set in yeah you don't want the disappointment to consume you mm. Mm. so you just it's it's okay babe when this works mm. you know we will we will you know, have a baby and blah, 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 and, and this will be a life and this is how it goes, not uh, if it works. Mm. It was, you know, it might not work the first or second cycle, but we just keep going. Mm. So, yeah, we, Stephen and I did prepare ourselves for it to not work the first cycle. And I think by doing that, like I said, the disappointment from the first cycle didn't consume us. We picked ourselves up and we kept going. Mm. And then we got to the fourth cycle and it worked. Mm, yeah. So looking back, what you know now, is there anything that you would have done differently? I would probably say the only thing I would have done differently is a bit more research because... Sounds like you were pretty prepared. I was prepared, but with when we had the third cycle and they missed my ovulation, oh, yeah. I wish I knew myself that I was like, okay, it's past day seven and eight now. I should have had a scan. Mm. So I wish I was more prepared in that way, which, again, I shouldn't have to be. That's why you pay for IVF and you pay for a private clinic to have a duty of care and to look after you. But I look back and think, well, that cycle might not have been ruined if I had gone, well, hang on a minute, I need to have gone in and had a scan. Mm. And then called them and said, "Hey, you know, it's day, it's day eight, guys. You need to get me in right now because I think you've missed my, you, 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 you've, you know, mm. not booked me in correctly." Mm. Um, and even after the first cycle, that just didn't work. Just didn't implant. No one's fault at all. Um, 
when I went back the second time to discuss and say, oh, you know, why, why do we think it didn't work? I had a list of questions, yeah. you know, and, and my IVF specialist said, oh, gosh, you've, you've been doing your homework. <laughs> and I said, yeah, because I've, I've got questions like, you know, could, we've, could I have had more medication or yeah. could you have put me on some progesterone to help support or help implantation? So I just wish things that I would have done differently was a little bit more research and maybe been more of an advocate for myself because right. you just can't rely on these clinics mm-hmm. to have your back the whole time because you can become a number, especially in the big clinics. Now I have to admit that when I read about your story on Instagram about you missing your scan and that you've already ovulated, I have to admit I did question my nurse, the nurse at my own mm. clinic. Um, and I asked why I was having less scans and, you know, are you sure that these yeah. dates are correct? Um, and, of course, you know, I explained what my fear was, um, yeah. but it doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't hurt to check. And I think by you sharing your experience, it gave me that extra push mm. or that extra confidence in order to check and to ask those questions that I might not have thought about. Yeah, that's right. And that's why I also yeah. And that's why I also share my journey. So other women can can question these clinics and say, Are you are you sure? Because I mean, look, human error, people do make mistakes. And these nurses are human. I and I know that. It's just when it's my my time that I can never get back, I need to have this scan on the right day. Otherwise, you're going to ruin my whole cycle, which is what happens. So yeah. I understand mistakes are made, but, you know, by sharing my journey, maybe someone else like yourself can question if they have the slightest doubt of maybe a blood test needs to be done or a scan needs to be done or maybe, Mm. you know, the medication might not add up with the information that they've got on the sheet when they take it home. You know, I know, I know that happened to me. I had wrong medication dispense and I rang them and up them and I rang them up and said, my sheet says one thing. I've taken home this medication, you know, and, and they were different. So by sharing my journey, I just hope that other people can take parts of it and go, well, you know, I'm going to feel a little bit more comfortable maybe double-checking the scan date because, like you said, there's yeah. no harm in double-checking with the nurse. Wow. Wow. I mean, that right there, it's important to yes. check and double-check, especially around your medication. And, you know, if the nurse isn't calling to go through your medication with you once you've received it, then, again, you've got the sheet that the clinic's given to you. You can cross-reference yep. it yep. and, uh, you know, then call the That's nurse right. again just to double-check. No harm in that. Correct. Now, you mentioned that you had a list of questions for your new fertility specialist. For someone who's going into IVF for the first time, what sort of questions would they be asking or should they be asking? And like, what would be on your top of your list? Oh, gosh, these my questions related to my situation. Uh, yeah, situation. I won't say journey. They related more to my situation. So they were more sort of medical questions of, you know, do you, do you use embryo glue? Um, mm. Just because a couple of things that they, you know, and the answer was, yes, they use it in every cycle, but, you know, some things they don't tell you. So I'm thinking after my first cycle, oh, you know, wonder if they've used embryo glue or not. Like mm-hmm. it sort of left me thinking, yeah. you know, those sort of questions. So, yeah, on, 
Look, the questions um, on my list were, as I said, to my situation. So everyone's situation is um, obviously different. But if you can narrow it down to, you know, what your situation is, whether you're, um, you know, got endometriosis or you've just got a lining issue, my my advice is research your situation and then go in with a list of questions. Yeah, absolutely. Research is key. And there's lots of uh, questions around this on websites that could help you. And there's also uh, fertility coaches that will have, you know, these sorts of questions on their websites. And what I'll do is I'll just leave uh, some of the websites in the comments. So if you are going into this for the first time, you're actually able to, to do some of your research. So my last question for you is, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self about fertility? Oh, gosh, I, I actually love this question. So, um, you know, we're all taught at a young age that, you know, pregnancy is so easy and you grow up and you get married and you have children and that's just how it goes. That is not how it goes, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, and, and you know, I wish I was 18 and I wish I was, you know, in school doing learning a, um, in the classroom about mm. infertility and about IVF. I mean, I don't think I learned what IVF was until my late 20s. Mm. I mean, I probably would have heard of the, the, the three initials, you know, IVF, but I never really knew what it was and how difficult it is to get pregnant. And mm. from you're such a young age, you know, from 18, we get told, go, go on the pill, you know, because mm. you don't want to have children too early, live your life, you know, and when you're ready, you'll have kids. Well, no, you can live your life and then not be able to have children because you're infertile. Mm. Um, you know, I... You know they say I'll oh, wait for the right person, and, and that's fine. Waiting, waiting to write the waiting to meet the right person. But you know, there's so many women doing it without a partner because they're running out of time. Because we're not taught at 18 that you might not be able to ever have children, or you might take three, four years to have a child because you're you've got fertility issues. Mm -hmm. So. You know, you travel and you live your life and you meet people and, you you know, you go out and spend time with friends and, and things like that, but all of a sudden life gets away from you and you're 35 like I was mm. and struggled to conceive. So and at 35, I mean, your eggs are disappearing, darling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your AMH is going down. Um, so my advice to give myself when I was 18 was just to, well, I can't even say research more because at the time I didn't even know to research. Mm. Mm. Um, I just wish, you know, and I, and I know times have changed, so I'm going to teach my children from a young age that there can be fertility issues and it's not as easy as you think to get pregnant for everyone. I mean, some women can get pregnant very easily, but even just to get maybe their AMH level checked in their 20s rather than getting it checked in their 30s because, you know, freezing yeah. your eggs is an option and you might not meet the love of your life and some women might want to have children on their own and can do it. Mm. So, yeah, that would be my advice. 
that I would give myself and give my children is that, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting a simple blood test just to check, you know, your, um, your levels and just, just to check that everything is okay. You know, when you get your car serviced, you take it to the mechanic, he looks underneath the hood and checks that all is well. Well, the same thing can be said for, you know, checking out your fertility really by going to the doctor that is instead of a mechanic. But you can check out that everything is fine or not. By getting your bugs checked, making sure that your vitamin levels are fine and um, you're not deficient in anything, by, you know, checking your ovaries, your tube, your uterus, yeah, things that you don't necessarily do if you're at school or at uni. Um, it's not on the forefront of your mind. But I remember at school, I would have friends who would stay at home because, you know, their periods would be really heavy or they'll be in such pain. Now, that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be kept off to school or work if your period is, um, is if you're in excruciating pain. But it shouldn't be painful. No, and that's a lot of time when the people have got endometriosis and they're not aware of it. I just hope that, you know, here in Australia we can get more um, education on this in the schools in year 11s and 12s because, you know, these 18 and 17-year-olds, you know, are starting to have partners and have sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. They need to be aware of everything and, Mm -hmm. you know, to get checked up. I mean, I think it's here in Australia every two years we require a pap smear test. Mm. Why isn't there any requirement to just... Um, have your eggs checked, like your egg reserve mm. or, you know, yeah. your sperm because there might be males out there that have infertility issues as well. Yeah, um, yeah, no, absolutely. No, that have no idea and they just keep smoking and drinking for the next 10 years and all mm. of a sudden they've got, you know, zero sperm count. Yeah. Um, Whereas, you know, they could have worked it out when they were younger and, you know, made those changes. That's right. Um, and same with women. Yeah. I mean, maybe they could have frozen some eggs in their 20s. And then when they meet their partner later on, then they can try and make an embryo. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I just, I mean, obviously there's more knowledge um, and the internet is helping. I mean, I'm grateful for the internet when we can use it in a positive way. And like us, sharing our journey, um, I hope that younger women, you know, do see our stories and go, okay, well, I might just go and get my AMH you know, tested and, and see what my egg count is and maybe consider getting their eggs frozen a couple of years down the track. I'm not saying everyone rush out and get it done, but at least you've got a goal and you've got a bit of a plan because life just gets away from you. And like I said, I'm, I'm 35 and didn't even realise I had such a low egg count of only 1.7. So I still have much time left. And as you know, it can take years and years to even make an embryo some women have egg collection and don't even have any that last to the day five and none fertilize so it's tricky it is hard situation but if if we share more knowledge and hopefully the younger generation can learn from us and change things yeah thank you so much kirsty for talking to me and sharing about your journey um yeah thank you for being so open um no worries thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share my journey no thank you well i'll let you get off now thank you so much again and yeah we'll stay in touch and i will definitely be watching on your insta what's happening with you and your 
bump. Ah, thank you so much. <laughs> it is growing by the day. <laughs> well, thanks again and stay safe. No, that's okay. All good. Thanks so much for having me.